Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 14. I'm your host, Damian Ross, and I'm also the publisher of a new digital nomad magazine called Rootless Living. You can grab your free subscription at rootlessliving.com. On this episode, I chat with Andrew Janelle, also known as Home with the Hoopers, where I'm going to be finding out if it's possible to live full-time in an RV while still being the CFO of a major corporation and also while traveling with two younger kids. Let's get into the episode. All right, Andrew Janelle, I want to welcome you to the show. How are you guys? We're doing good. Great. Andrew, I heard you said you were uh, feeling a little under the weather, so I just want people to know that. What did you call it? That was actually pretty funny. Yeah, it's called the Valley Fever. Um, it's very similar to the flu, but it's uh, down from the southwestern part of the U.S. Uh, we're down here in Quartzsite, so it's something that floats around the air. That's legitimately the first question is, where are you? So uh, now that we know where you are, what's the weather like right now? I mean, we're here in january and i'm in like 40 degree weather here in texas i'm wondering what you're feeling right now yeah so it's uh mid 40s in the mornings and about 70s during the afternoons absolutely beautiful you know the dry southwestern air so um you, you don't really get the humidity like you do in texas yep and we've been boondocking out in the desert area as well uh with a big circle of other campers it's amazing this is quartzite two week period where they have a huge show that comes through and so we're down here for that that's awesome I haven't done a lot of uh, boondocking in quartzite, so I'm excited to get out there and do that myself. So let's get into some of just the rapid fire so people can understand who you guys are. So what do you guys consider yourself, full-time or part-time? Absolutely full-time. And who's all uh, traveling with you? Um, myself, Andrew, and then we have two little boys. Corbin is six years old and Wyatt is four years old. Corbin and Wyatt, great names. What are you guys living in currently? We have a 2020 Keystone Montana 3855BR. It's a uh, it's a uh, fifth wheel. Nice. 2020. Um, when did travel become part of your daily life? When did you guys make the launch? So we lived in it somewhat stationary for a while uh, back in 2017 when we moved into it from the house. Uh, but full time travel started last year, last January 1st. And so this isn't your first rig. Now, this is actually our third rig. We've had a, a, a 2015 Keystone Raptor. Uh, we had another Montana prior to this one as well. That's funny. I've had, you know, maybe 15 interviews and people that have been on the road three or four years have gone through three or four rigs. Is it manufacturer issues or is it more just, you know what, this isn't what we need. We need something different. Yeah, when we bought our original toy hauler, it was more for the weekend warrior prior to us going into full-time living. Uh, and so the floor plan, whenever we went into full-time living, wasn't necessarily what we needed. Uh, so we switched to a Montana. And then recently with how we boondock a lot more and, and how we actually camp and use the rig, uh, we decided to switch from our 2018 Montana to this one uh, due to some floor plan changes that were a little bit more conducive to how we use the rig. I think that's one of the things that we talk about a lot in the show is, you know, the questions of should I get a class A? Should I get a fifth wheel? What kind of rig should I get? Even when you really pin it down to the exact rig you want, there's still things you'll learn once you get out there. I mean, you really don't know until you get out there. It sounds scary for people, but you just don't. Yeah, absolutely. I, I lived in one in college for about two years. Um, it was a fifth wheel also. So I, I kind of came from that background. Uh, but every day we learn something new with these rigs. It, it, mm -hmm. It's amazing. Especially with uh, bringing kids along with you, um, just learning what their needs are and just a good functioning floor plan to have as a family unit and to just make it work for what your individual needs are. And it sounds like, I mean, a lot of the guests I haven't had, had a lot of experience with 
RVs or camper trailers or whatever. It sounds like you, I mean, from Andrew, you living in one during college, obviously it sounds like it was stationary to then doing the weekend warrior stuff. You guys knew about this lifestyle and got to experience it. How long be, from the time that you guys said, you know what, let's do this full time to actually be able to leave and go full time. How much planning time did you guys have? So we had our toy hauler, like Andrew said, we got that um, shortly after him and his dad went on a trip up to Sturgis and his parents toy hauler, they took their motorcycles up there. And when he got back, he's like, you know what? I don't need the motorcycle anymore. I want to get a rig so we can all go out as a family and explore. So we bought our, our um, Keystone toy hauler at that point in time as a weekend getaway. And we used it every weekend. Um, we had a house at this point and we would just take our, kids out and go camping and visit all the local state parks and it was awesome and Andrew started joking at that point in time like hey we should you know sell the house and live in this full time and I I didn't hear anything of it I was like you've lost your mind you're absolutely crazy we have a newborn and a two-year-old this is just not going to happen and then it kind of the conversation evolved the more we went out the it was so nice and so stress-free and I dreaded coming home to our house and I was like this just isn't what I want and we wanted a place to have the kids be able to run around. Andrew grew up on 40 acres. And so that kind of became our goal. We're like, let's move into the rig until um, we find a piece of land and then we'll build a house, this, that, and the other. We did a two week trial run of living in an RV park in the rig, just to make sure that we could all do it and not kill each other. And one weekend we were like, okay, this is amazing. We called our realtor, we put our house on the market and we're, not people to dwell on decisions. Once we make it, we're pretty much all in pretty quick. So for us, it was a very, very fast process. Um, not a lot of thought went into it. Hence, you know, we lived in the toy hauler for a year and then we're like, you know, this is awesome. Let's figure out another floor plan that kind of might be a little bit more conducive to us. Well, what about work though? Let's go back to how did that all work out? What were you guys doing for a living when you had a bricks and sticks? So at the time, I was a chief financial officer in oil and gas back in Houston. I was commuting into the office every day. Uh, from our house, and then even even shortly after when we went full time into the rig, I was I was doing the same thing. I've since transitioned to a a, a different job with a different employer, um, still CFO, uh, still doing accounting and finance, but I'm able to do that from the road. And then Janelle, um, I was a pediatric nurse at a children's hospital when we were we actually are from Texas. We lived in the Katy area, so I was working in the Texas Medical Center. And for the first two years of us being stationary, we both maintained our jobs. I was still going in for the 12 hour shifts. Andrew was still going into the office Monday through Friday, nine to five. And really the only thing from our lifestyle that changed at that point was the roof over our heads. We went from a 3000 square foot house um, in Katy, Texas to a 300 square foot RV. And um, initially we did live in an RV park, but then we found a park hosting gig at a local state park. And so we lived there for almost two years, helping them out as a park host. And we both just kept our jobs. And that transition really allowed us to get into the life, dig in deep, save money, and just kind of plan where we wanted to go from there. Yeah, it sounds like, I mean, I haven't really spoken to anyone that's lived kind of the the way you guys live to get it going, but even living in it stationary, and then let's say going out for the weekend and coming back, there's such a time savings because you're not taking everything in and out of the house that you normally would like on a Friday and then putting it all back on a Sunday, even if you're stationary and just moving on the weekends, it's it's your only home. So it just makes for, you know, so much less like time involved in the prep and the the going. So that sounds really cool. The way you guys kind of yeah, it's a lot, uh, it's a lot less uh, it's a lot less stressful as well having to not have to worry about taking 
you know, loads of laundry in and out of, of the camper and loading food, you know, those are the biggest ones, you know, your clothes, your food, and then obviously your dirty laundry, that type of stuff, and being able to live in it full time, and, and we have a washer and dryer in our rig, and I mean, it's basically everything we own in this in this camper. We mm-hmm. have a house, and, and we're set up to go wherever we need to go. Yeah, it's amazing. There's a extreme sense of peace when we can sit down in our living room and look around and see 99% of our belongings, you know, and just be together. And, you know, now we're traveling full time. We've been doing that for, we're starting our second year of travel right now on the road full time. And we move about every week and we pretty much have it down to a fine oiled machine. Andrew handles all the outside stuff. I handle all the inside stuff and we can have slides in hooked up and ready to go in 10 minutes if we needed to. Yeah, that's the funny thing too, when you hear conversations about people saying, you know, what's faster, this model or this model, and really at the end of the day, it's really the people. It doesn't matter if it's a class A or a fifth wheel, it's it's how you, you know, how much crap you take out, how much you put back in, how you guys work your systems. I, I think the inside outside, uh, that's how we do it. I think it's really smart. I see a lot of people doing that. It just makes the process that much faster and everyone has the roles. Yep. Andrew, for you working, you know, one of the questions I like to ask people is, um, and I'm not going to try to jinx it ahead of time. Do you consider yourself a better employee now living on the road than you did when you went into an office? Yeah. So I, it's funny you say that. So I go back into the office. I fly back in about once every two months or about a week uh, just to make myself present at the corporate office. Um, during that week, I get very little done. Uh, working from home allows me to, you know, wake up. I'm at the computer within 10 steps. Um, I can work at that the entire time. Um, I'm very efficient. And obviously, bathroom breaks, you're not having a lot of distractions like, like you would at the office with, with you know, your typical office banter uh, that, that takes up a lot of time. So I feel that I'm more efficient at home. Uh, I'm able to, to, to do stuff when it needs to be done also. And then, you know, stuff comes up after the fact, after working hours. Because, uh, uh, you know, we, want, we run a large U.S. business that I, I have Eastern time zones and Western time zones. And so I'm able to get all of that done whenever I need to, um, you know, depending on what the need is of that particular employee. So it may be 7, 8 o'clock at night. It may be 10 o'clock at night. Um, I'm able to just log in and get, get everything I need done. Yeah, I think a lot of the people that I've talked to, what I hear, too, is especially if your job is, you know, like just brain power. So like yours, you know, just really being in the finances without having the commute. And without having the interruptions, you know, because I don't know if you're like me, but if I'm focused on something and someone just asked me a question, it takes me a while to get back into what I was focused on. And when you're kind of remote or working on your own or working from home, I just feel like that employee is so much better. And it's weird that a lot of times we have to fight for the right to be remote employees. So I hope at some point employers are going to listen to the show and be like, you know what, this is what we should do. We should hire more remotes. Yeah, I think that's probably what it's going to go towards. I mean, when I was at the office, it was basically a revolving door in and out of my office. Um, I manage eight companies, and it's it's a lot easier for me to stay on track at home um, than than having those those distractions at work. So yeah, and you're probably just in a better mental space too because of the life you're living, you know. And yeah, I think a lot yeah, of people don't had, realize that. Yeah, I had a one and a half hour commute. Um, there and back every day when I was in Houston and, you know, taking up three hours of your day is mentally exhausting as well as physically exhausting sitting in the car that long. Not that I wasn't able to make phone calls and that type of stuff, but, but um, just those, those commutes will, will drain you. It sounds like based on that, you're probably driving less now traveling the country than you were just commuting to and from work, which is probably pretty funny. Absolutely. So let's talk about real quick the the cost of this lifestyle. I don't want to get into 
anyone's details, but the question I like to ask is this lifestyle costing you less or more than your previous bricks and sticks? I think we have the option to, to do kind of whatever we need to do. I would say in our current scenario, um, it's about the same. And the reason being is we like to experience everywhere we go to the fullest. Um, we don't buy the kids things and toys and that type of stuff. We buy them experiences. And so, you know, last year we went to, to Alaska, we went to Key West and uh, took my six-year-old parasailing. We went salmon fishing. Uh, we like to do the excursions and, and the experiences while we're there. So it's probably about the same. We I could gotcha. do it a lot cheaper if we, if we needed to. And you said you were like outside of Houston is where you guys are originally from? Correct. Just yeah. west of Houston and Kennedy. Gotcha. I mean, that's a big part of it too. You know, me coming from Los Angeles, you know, when people ask me less or more, well, clearly it's going to be less, you know, so it has a lot to do with what your starting area is too. But were you guys doing a lot of, besides the weekend RVing, were you doing a lot of like family travel, um, vacation type stuff? The word like, you know, you just used the word experiences. Were you doing a lot of that even with your weekends or was it your like just favorite weekend spot kind of getaway? Um, I mean, we do a little bit of a little bit of get togethers and stuff. Um, you know, we go to festivals, that type of thing. But for the most part, it was just the, the weekend warrior state park type type setting. Yeah, we didn't really go on any big family vacations. There was a, a handful of the state parks we would go to or get together with our neighbors and have, you know, cookouts and crawfish boils or whatever, but not nothing at all to the magnitude of what we're experiencing life at now. Yeah, the only, the only big trip that we really had was to uh, Nashville. We went to Branson, Missouri, and then to Nashville to Grand Ole Opry. That was prior to going full-time. That's awesome. Yeah, I think, you know, even me looking back at California through RVers' eyes, there's so much in California that I never experienced. And I think a lot of times people think they have to get, like, out of their state to really, you know, experience amazing things. And a lot of times, I mean, like right now I'm in Texas, I could spend five years in Texas and probably not see it all. And, mm -hmm. you know, the same thing with, you know, once you're out of your state, you see things that you didn't see before. And it's such a weird kind of experience because you're seeing it through other RV years. Yeah. yeah it's funny, we've been in quite a few states and, and obviously we're from Texas and uh, Guadalupe National Park, which is on the Western part of Texas, we just now hit it this year. Uh, we still haven't seen Big Bend and, and some other areas of Texas. We've just, you know, you, you can stay in your home state and still still do the adventuring. Um, but right now we choose to, to go elsewhere while we have the flexibility to kind of extend that, that location parameter. Well, let's talk about your current lifestyle. I mean, it's interesting that you guys are on the road with the idea of, you know, finding land and finding a place that you'd like to, you know, consider home base. Are you guys chasing weather at all? That seems to be kind of a something I always hear from people that they're chasing 70 and so what is, what's your guys kind of mode of where you're going and where's next? Um, we wing it daily in between Andrew getting this remote job. He was between jobs. I took a leave of absence from work and we took a three month trip all the way up the West coast and back down through Yellowstone and the Grand Tetons and Rocky Mountain National Park and back home. And we had that entire trip planned out from day to day RV parks booked the whole time. And that was our biggest regret. The trip was amazing, but we wished that we wouldn't have confined ourselves to having dates that we had to be someplace and whatnot. It added a whole different level of stress. So last year when we hit the road, we kind of had a general, we knew we wanted to go to Alaska and we knew we were going to Key West first. And it was all very last minute. We didn't even decide we were gonna travel full time until November. I quit my job the week of Thanksgiving and we left January 1st. And we're like, we're going to Florida and then we're going to Alaska. And that's pretty much all we knew. And it was a phenomenal year. This year, 
we left January 10th and we literally were driving down the freeway for a couple hours. And I said, well, where are we going? And Andrew said West. And I was like, okay. And then we just found a rest stop to stay at the night. And we then we're like, well, let's go to course site. And from here, we decided to go to Joshua Tree. And so we're just really day by day kind of being like, okay, well, you know, where are we going to go next? And what do we want to see? And where are some people, where are some other families we can maybe meet up with or some friends? Or we're just kind of winging it daily. Yeah, I mean, last year we followed the weather fairly fairly well. Um, Alaska was a little bit hotter than we had expected. It was a, a very hot weather. So. It had. <laughs> um, ex- they were meeting like weather extremes. There was a lot of wildfires going on. They had a lot of days where they were hitting the high 80s, which for Alaska is just unheard of. And so we went to Alaska anticipating, you know, jackets and like 60, 70 degree weather. And it was like, tex- not like Texas, like Texas spring. <laughs> That's funny. But for way warmer than we anticipated. And so I think last year there was a couple instances where it was a little colder, a little warmer than we anticipated. For, but for the most part, we chased the 70s. But we got stuck in a random spring blizzard at one point in time. And I mean, we, we're not opposed to not being in perfect weather. We just want to go where, where we want to see things. So. Yeah, we just kind of roll with stuff. Yeah. It is a much better lifestyle in the sense that I was on a strict schedule kind of in the, the beginning and when you do get to the point where you can just kind of free roll it, because a lot of times too, when I'm doing boondocking or a, let's say a boondocker's welcome, you'll run into situations when you get there and they're like, oh, you can stay as long as you want. But you don't know that like ahead of time. You know, it's not till you mm-hmm. get there and you meet them. Or even if it's a boondocking spot and internet's a real issue, you really don't know until you get there. And if you already have these reservations mm-hmm. that you can't cancel, it does make for it to be really stressful. I totally get that. Now, normally Absolutely. I talk about like, how are you making money on the road? But we've already kind of discussed that. So what have been the, the challenges, like say outside of internet for this lifestyle? It sounds like Andrew, you have to fly back. So it sounds like you do have to do some scheduling to get the RV close to an airport. But what are some other challenges, you know, working on the road? Hey, he's pretty set up. Our rig floor plan we have right now is a mid bunk. And so he has a designated office space with doors that shut. So once the boys are up in the morning, he pretty much goes in there and shuts the doors and that's his own designated space. I think the biggest um, issues to overcome for myself have just been trying to find a rhythm and a schedule for the boys and just giving them because they're having an amazing childhood or at least I like to think they're having an amazing childhood they tell us all the time they love it and they love traveling um and I hope they look back fondly on this but we do move constantly so I think my biggest struggle has been providing them with just a piece of stability in their life and getting kind of like a regular daily routine down and kind of how we do school in the mornings and whatnot and we're going on three years of you know, living in the RV, our second year of travel. And I feel like I'm just now to the point of like having that confidence and like knowing what their needs are and my needs are and Andrew's needs as far as work and like just kind of how we all kind of like a fine-tuned dance, just make it work in the space and, and go from there. But yeah, I think that's been my biggest struggle is just getting to that point of everything. Yeah. On, on my side, the, the only I guess concern, not really concern. Um, the only issue that's that's come up is on rainy days, the walls seem to close in a little bit because the boys can't go outside. And you know, if I'm having conference calls or, or stuff, that they're very energetic. They're four and six. That you know, they want to be climbing trees and digging holes and you know, and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so uh, on those particular days, it, it there's a little bit higher tension, uh, but nothing that we can't overcome. I love that you said climbing trees and digging holes. (laughs) 
I miss that our kids do that stuff. So that's really awesome that they're they're still all about that. For me, rainy days are hard because it sounds like someone's making popcorn all the time in the rig. If I'm on a call, people are like, are you making popcorn? I'm like, no, it's rainy. Yeah, one thing we did, so on our first rig, we didn't have slide toppers and we do on this particular rig and that cuts down on a lot of that. Yeah, I was going to say with our kids is we really have embraced the motto of less is more. Um, The whole downsizing process for us is, it was a huge learning curve. And, you know, I started out with way more toys ever than any child ever even needs in a house, period. And it had bins and I was going to rotate them out and all this stuff. Well, that never happened. And now we have it down to this tiny little cubby hole under our son's bed. And that's all the toys they own, but like their favorite toys, they have just, they're kids and they have an imagination and now they use it and they're outside. They're turning sticks into swords and climbing trees, like Andrew said, and, you know, building rock houses. And I mean, it's just been amazing to watch them just embrace the world around them. And it's truly like their playground, you know, they just have so much fun exploring where we're at and just learning about the different plants that are there. You know, it seems like their imagination and creativity level seems to have gone up. Um, you know, obviously Wyatt was really young when we first did this, so we didn't really have that experience with him in the house as much. Uh, but, but Corbin versus Wyatt now, it looks like their imagination and creativity is a lot higher because they're experiencing all these things, you know, new daily. Yeah, and it sounds like you can you can limit it too, which is really nice because it is hard as a parent not to get them everything they need. But it, what's great about this lifestyle use as an adult, if I want to buy a new toy, I've got to get rid of one to make room for the new toy. You know, I, I don't have an endless amount of space. And so even with kids hearing that, that's really cool. I guess I had maybe a bad opinion about homeschooled kids when I was living in the city, as opposed to now seeing these kids that are road schooled and just how like different and interesting their lives are. And I can almost point out a, a road schoolie versus like a weekend kid, you know, because I, I, I see kids out on their bikes and they're doing their thing. And there's always the one kid at the picnic bench with his iPhone out. And it's almost like, oh, that's probably a weekend kid. And he can't, he's got to stay in contact with all these friends, even when he's gone for the weekend. And it's Mm -hmm. interesting to see these kids like flashing back to a 70s, maybe early 80s lifestyle. And it's really cool. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we let them, we let them go, go ride around and and meet new friends and stuff, obviously, as long as they're in our view. Um, But, you know, they're able to to do that, you know, three years ago, when we first went, when we first bought the camper, and and even prior to that, um, I would have never really considered homeschooling it just wasn't on my on my radar i probably wouldn't have supported it um, and now I've, I've i've come around to the idea i think it's a lot better they're able to meet new friends all the time every every chance we go you know every new place we go to it's hey let's go meet some new friends i mean they're they're open to everyone um right now we're in courtside at the at the montana circle and most of the generations here are a little bit older and my six-year-old and four-year-old are out there talking to the 60 and 70-year-old, just having conversations with them. So it's nice to, to have that, you know, them not be afraid to talk to, to anyone. Um, you know, obviously we still have the security side of it, but for the most part, you know, when I'm out there, they'll have a conversation with anyone. Yeah. And they, the, even their friend circles, like families, other families that we meet, there'll be ranges of age ranges of kids from like 14 down to like two or three and they're all playing together you know the older kids come in and help the little kids and teach them things and I mean really when you think about it in life when are you other when what other time are you going to be 
associating with every other single person being your age other than in school. You know, you're not. You have to learn how to work with people that are older than you and younger than you and all these different ideas and whatnot. And that's what they're doing now. And it's absolutely amazing to watch. It's, it's so heartwarming to see these older kids come in and just play so well with the younger kids and teach them new games and teach them new things. And it's, it has been one of the best experiences we've had. It's, it's amazing. Well, one of the things I like to do is uh, talk about a little bit, you know, if you could do anything different or if you have advice for anyone that's thinking about doing this as a lifestyle, what are some of those things? And then we get into a high low too. It's something I used to do with my kids that I do with every guest on here. What's been a big high and a big low. But for now, it's just if you could do anything different or if you have advice for people that are thinking about doing it, what does that look like? I think I'll I'll do the advice one um, is just do it. I wish, you know, I wish we would have done it sooner. Not that we, it was really on our radar, um, but don't, re, don't regret anything. I mean, just go after it and, and take it, embrace it and, and do it the best you can. We absolutely love it. Um, again, it's not for everyone, but if someone's thinking about it, give it a shot, give it a try, um, you know, go out, you know, like we said, we started that two week deal just to give it a shot. And I think three days in, we had our house listed. So um, we look back and have no regrets. No, yeah, I think when we uh, went full time three years ago, it wasn't really a thing per se. Like the culture has changed so much that we've seen just in that short period of time. Like now when people hear that we're full timing or we're meeting new people, it's like, oh yeah, I know, you know, so-and-so does that or so-and-so has a friend that does it. It's just not such a foreign concept and it's, it's much more um welcomed I think and a lot of people are much more open to it and like oh yeah that's cool like I probably couldn't do it but you know good for you but now there's even programs like that RV share where people can get out if they're not sure it's something they want to do go rent an RV for a month go test it out or do the cruise America and you know take your family to a national park and that way you can rent it it kind of takes away the the buying aspect of it from you and you can really kind of test the waters that way. I think there's a lot of options. Um, but the same thing is like, just no regrets, just do it and put yourself out there. And, and, and know that you're not alone. I mean, there's a massive community of, of full-timers, weekenders, um, you know, kind of any part of that market uh, that you're, you may be leaning towards that you can get a lot of information from, you know, obviously the Facebook groups, the Instagram groups, there's forums out there. Um, and we, st we still get a lot of information, even though, you know, we've been doing it for three years, we still get a lot of information from those groups. It's a great yeah. community. And I think too, to kind of spin off that is some people can get overwhelmed because there are so many communities these days. Andrew and I personally have not paid to be a member of any community. We're not a part of escapees or we're not a part of full-time families. We don't have a thousand trails membership, but we have never lacked community. We are very open with our travels. Um, we have made some very genuine relationships, some of our absolute best friends we've met on Instagram. Um, and so we're going to continue to do it like that. And that's, that's really, we didn't realize the amount of community support there was going into it. And we just kind of had Instagram, but it's worked amazing for us. And we have, like Andrew said, we've just had an amazing community built and met the best of friends on the road. Yeah. So. And we're not knocking those other groups. We don't have experience with them, but we just hadn't had the need for them. So they may be, they may work for someone else. They just haven't been part of our plan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it makes sense. I think, you know, if there's a million of us on the road, these groups are not nearly a million. So not everyone's joining all of them and people are mm -hmm. finding different ways. So I think that's really great. And I think people do get concerned that there is a, a loss of community when they're on the road full time. And I will say, like, I make a joke every once in a while on the show that if you want to meet people at a 
park, just pop a tire off your rig and people will come over and start talking exactly. to you and offering help. And you know what I mean? So it's like, and I remember um, I would clean my rain gutters. No one came over. No one, you know, my neighbors didn't come outside and be like, Hey, Damon, what's going on? Let me help you. So it is a really different community. You are right that, you know, if you think you'll be lonely on the road, you won't, I mean, unless you want to, and then you can, but it isn't that hard to find your own niche community, which is great. And I do agree that it really has blossomed in the last few years. I mean, I know when we started thinking about going full time in 2016, and that was kind of the idea of launching the magazine was that I really thought I would just go online and find like a, you know, this, this lifestyle seems like a lot of people are doing it. There has to be a really kind of in-print resource. And I was really surprised there wasn't. And I've seen it really change in the last three years. Cause maybe if you guys were like me, there was a handful of like YouTube channels and now there's hundreds of YouTube channels of people full timing and there just wasn't three years ago. So it really has changed. The thing I like to do with the high and low, and you guys can split it up if you want to. One of the reasons is, is that I think because of Instagram and because of Facebook, you can make this lifestyle look like there's never any problems. And obviously that's not true. There's still issues. We've run into the same issues that everyone else has, but I always like to hear different people's highs and lows in this lifestyle. So uh, let's start with the, the low so we can end with a high. What's been a low on the road? Yeah. So mine, you know, obviously there's maintenance that goes on with any rig. Um, we've, we, we put our rigs to the ringers. Uh, we've taken ours up the Dempster on the Canadian road. It's like 360 miles of nothing but gravel. Uh, you know, I've broke some spring hangers. I've, we had a bent axle. I've, when we first bought our first rig a month into it, I ripped the roof. Uh, so the low, I guess that, that would be the only low for me is just the maintenance side of it. Um, it's not overwhelming, uh, but you have to be willing to have an open mind to having those challenges come up because they will come up. And sometimes they're at inopportune times and you just kind of have to roll with it. I think the low for me was when we first initially moved into our first rig full time. And it was just a really hard process for me to adapt to. I wasn't sad and I didn't miss our house. It was, it's very hard to explain the emotions that I went through, but I don't want people to think that, oh, the minute you move into an RV, all your problems are going to go away and you're going to be so happy. I wasn't. It took me probably six-ish months to really settle in and our first rig was very dark on the inside and we had these like blackout shades and I, it didn't even like dawn on me to like open the windows and let in natural light. We like lived in this bat cave for like so long and just getting my rhythm of like cleaning and you know, we, I was still trying to downsize. We'd brought in way more than we needed, but just trying to get a mental grasp on like, how, how are we going to do this? Like how, like, what do I really need? What do I not need? And for me personally, that was a very emotional taxing time um but it made me stronger it made me so much more confident in this lifestyle and i needed to go through it to get to where i am today those are i mean i don't want to say those are awesome lows but those are awesome lows i mean i think that's really genuine and transparent and i think those that will happen to a lot of us in both of those issues the stress of maintenance it's funny that it's so much more for some reason in a rig than in your home i mean you still worried about a roof leaking or a water heater breaking when you owned a home but it's just different in a rig you know i always talk about there's like uh, first world problems and then there's RV first world problems. Like ours are a little bit, a little bit, you know, oh my gosh, the, this, this wasn't a level campsite. You know what I mean? Like that's our big issue of the week. It's funny to me. So what have been some of the, the best things on the road? The people, mm. the friendships, the community. Yeah, absolutely. That, that, and, and, you know, seeing our kids light up. I mean, we've gone to some amazing places and, and whether they're over the top amazing or just something new, seeing them light up and, 
seeing the world through their eyes and their this you know a lot of these experiences are their first time seeing this stuff and so um you know the joy in their eyes and how interested they are in every different place that we've gone to has, has been amazing and i i enjoy watching it watching life through their eyes mm-hmm. i think it's that really you guys... cool to be able to hear <clears throat> no sorry go ahead. it's really cool to be able to hear a six-year-old and a four-year-old too talk about this all the states they've been to or the hike that they went on and it's just it's just so heartwarming and amazing so no it sounds like it i really hope there are people that are listening that maybe have small kids that are thinking about it you know i always worry about the like the middle school high school age where parents start to think about doing this you know how how hard that might be to pull them out of those kind of lifestyles when they're at that age but getting them out there when they're younger and and i was someone too that kind of would you know i could not even think as a single dad raising all four of my kids to do an RV with that kind of an age group. But looking back now, it was just the fear of the unknown. And now that I know it and I see it, I'm like, it's something I probably should have done at least for a year or two with the kids. What a great experience it would have been for them. And I, you know, I, I can't speak for your kids, but it sounds like they're having a great adventure, which is really cool. Anytime I hear about kids, I'm, I'll bring it up again. Climbing trees and digging holes. I don't know why I get so excited about that. You know what I mean? Like where it's just like when I see that stuff happening, I get really excited. And I know you guys talk about you guys still keep a good eye on them. But I will say I was in West Virginia and I was on a little lake and I saw probably age groups of six-year-old to about 12-year-olds, about four or five of them. And they got on their little canoes and paddle boards and they went out to this little island they had life jackets on and stuff like that. And obviously the older kids, but there's no parents with them. And there was just a moment where I was like, this is what it's supposed to be. Parents were still watching and had eyes on them, but the kids were doing it on their own. It was just different. And it just, it kind of shocked me. I really felt like, okay, I woke up in a time warp. It's got to be 75. There's no way parents would let kids go hundred yards, but they're not next to them. And it was really cool to kind of see it and experience it. Well, I really appreciated being able to talk to you guys. And, you know, it, I think each story is so different. And that's what I love about doing this podcast is that I really haven't had anyone where it's been like, oh man, I've already had this guest on that has this as their lifestyle. Ne- definitely never had a CFO on. Um, I haven't had where we have two kind of younger kids on. So that's been really cool to hear about. And then just the, the real understanding that when you get on the road, you're going you're gonna to find your community, which is really inspiring. And I haven't really heard that. So that's really cool. Where can people find you? Where are you guys uh, posting stuff so they can find you and connect with you if they want to? Um, one of our main platforms is Instagram. We are at home with the Hoopers on YouTube as well. We're home with the Hoopers. We put out movies every Sunday. And then we also have a blog, which is www.homewiththehoopers.com. Awesome. I'll link all that down below so you guys can find it as well too. But Andrew, you know, I really appreciate you guys being on the show today. It was a ton of fun. Yeah, thanks for having us on. We enjoyed it. Thank you. All right, another fun episode. And hopefully if you are someone that has a C-level position at your company, or if you have two smaller children, you're feeling a little bit more encouraged that you too can be rootless. Before you hit stop on this podcast, please take a moment to leave a review. Please write a comment about the podcast. And it would be amazing if you could share this podcast on either your Facebook or your Instagram feed. You can tag us or you can use the hashtag rootlessliving. And if you think you know someone that would make a good guest or that guest might even be you, please have them email us at podcast at rootlessliving.com. Again, that's podcast at rootlessliving.com. And let's see if we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.